Hey there. Like this show and want to create one similar? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. Uh, One of the main things that I love about Anchor, but that's not all. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. How awesome is that? Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create. Whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world has never heard before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Welcome to The Kidney Connection, a weekly show about dialysis wellness, kidney health, and how to make holistic choices that can lead us to the healthiest possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Ebony G, a registered nurse in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information and free resources to help you get started, please visit our website, www.lwapllc.com. I really hope you enjoy listening to this show, but just a reminder, this show is not a substitution for medical diagnosis and treatment. All right, so hello everyone. Thank you for joining today. As usual, I have the best and amazing guests, so uh, today is no different. So I welcome Miss Libra. How are you? I'm well, how are you? I am good. I am good. Look, I had to I had to stop us before we got too far in because we were going in. <laughs> and I didn't want anyone to miss any of your story or any of what we were going to say. So um, right. before we dig in, introduce introduce yourself to everyone. Sure. So my name is Libra Hicks. I am the founder and president of a nonprofit organization named Our Children's Story. And this organization was birthed because of my oldest son. My oldest son is 15 and he has cerebral palsy and epilepsy. Those diagnoses came from a botched delivery. So, you know, my delivery was not the greatest. Um, The doctor for layman, lack of better term in layman's terms, messed up the delivery. Um, And so it left my son with traumatic brain injury causing uh, quad cerebral palsy. Um, He's 100% dependent. He is G2 fit. Um, I was not prepped for the lifestyle. Um, I brought him home. He was in the NICU brought him home, thought everything was going to be great. And I started to slowly see things in him that made me start researching and digging and begging for help. So the birth of our children's story was because of that. Um, I'm one of those moms that I, I'm, I'm very heavily involved in my children. And when I started to notice things, him not meeting milestones, things being a struggle like eating, um, I started digging, my mom started digging, and um, I, my his pediatrician, which I thank God for, 
um, help catapult me into, you know, the cerebral palsy arena and actually really researching that. Um, I had another nurse when I was starting to get him services that, you know, started to tell me things about cerebral palsy. So that's how I got into the into this arena, the special needs arena. Um, what I do is in my organization, we focus on the parents, the caregivers, the grandmother, the auntie, whoever is involved in the care, that's who we service. We service them through health and wellness programs. Um, I'm also a fitness trainer and within my organization, I offer fitness, I offer health and wellness. We offer different avenues for parents to remember who they were so they can regain themselves. A lot of times mm. in this lifestyle, and I call it a lifestyle because a lot of times it's deemed as a burden. And I don't like to look at things as burdens. I like to look at things as this is the life that I was given and I'm just going to show up for that. I can't control yes. what was given to me. You know, the higher power had its reasoning for this happening and I have to honor that. And so here I am. Um, and a lot of parents get lost and get frustrated. The burnout is real. I look at a lot of moms who are caring. My youngest son, he's five with autism. So I have two boys with special needs and they're on two totally different, you know, ends of the, the world. One is fully dependent. The other needs redirection and meltdown and picky. And, you know, so I see a lot of parents who, struggle because they have lack of support, lack of access to resources, lack of people who understand, you know, um, and that was my goal because I understand what it's like to not have the support, to not have access to resources, to be clueless, to feel helpless, to feel like, oh my God, no one gets it. Um, not having, you know, adequate nursing care so I can break free for a little while, um, not knowing where to go. I have my phone. So now it's like, okay, who can I go to online? So a lot of the things, especially since COVID, I've moved virtually so that families could have access. That is awesome. And you said um, so much I want to uh, unpack <laughs> in what you said. <laughs> Because I'm um, like, we were talking uh, before we started recording about just how deep, um, you know, caregiving goes and how the caregiver yeah. um, doesn't even know just how run down and burnt out they are until they get to that snapping point, you know, because yes. you're so busy going, you're so busy doing, like you said, um, that you don't get it. And I know when I... Um, my, like I said, my, I took care of my mom. She was 48 when she got diagnosed and she was 50 when she passed. Oh, and, um, and those were a long two years and I was young. I was what 23, I think when she was diagnosed. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, so I was working full time, you know, in school full time, uh, towards the end planning a wedding. And I, after she passed, I took, uh, three weeks off from work, you know, like the rest of that, yeah. the rest of my FMLA, because I was, just I did not realize how tired how mentally how physically um I was beyond exhausted I think I was just I was um empty I think empty yeah. is a better word that's a what good I word <laughs> yeah. yeah I was just yeah. you know I didn't have anything like nothing for myself nothing for anyone else I was just and I didn't you know like you said when you're going 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 
and I didn't, I guess, I don't know whether it's like a, a level of constant adrenaline, you know, I'm not sure what, you know, what allows us to keep, you know, going sometimes at that pace that we maintain right. as caregivers. But I think it's so important, you know, for people who are caregiving now, and that's why I love your topic to really be able to stop and check in with themselves, like check in, like, don't just keep going, 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 like literally take some time to check in. Right, right. And you have to, you know, that's what, and, and, and let me be clear, I was not always this put together. The product of me now is me crawling through the mud. And that was because mm-hmm. I was willing to do that. I was overweight, severely depressed, um, lack of answers, burnout. I was working full time. My husband was working two jobs. We're trying to make ends meet. We have these, you know, medical expenses for my oldest that we can't just put to the back burner. It's his life. So, um, Mm -hmm. it was, and, and I didn't have nursing. It was just a lot that I was just oblivious to that. I was really working for to figure out. And one of the things that I'm extremely passionate about is showing moms that it's totally doable. When I see the moms going through the pain and, you know, the hopelessness. I'm like, I'm right here. You're looking at what is possible. It's totally Mm -hmm. doable. That's why I lost 110 pounds. That's why I faced everything that was keeping me stagnant. That's why I got to a point of acceptance because for a long time with my oldest, prior to me having my youngest, I didn't accept what was going on. I had a, I had a thought that, okay, he's going to walk and it's just going to take a little longer. And I'm just going to push a little harder, not understanding and not living in reality that, okay, girl, uh, he has quad CP. That's damn near quadriplegic. He ain't doing none of that. You got to come to grips and you have to be okay with that and work in that capacity. Because I also understood the capacity that I was working in was inaccurate. I was working towards a fairy tale that would never come true, which was him walking, which is him mm-hmm. eating, which is him. So I was functioning and working in that instead of working in the truth of the situation, which is he's not going to do all of that. So all this stuff that you keep doing that he really don't want to do, that's your shit. That's the stuff that right. you're inflicting on him because of what you believe needs to be. And that's not what God said. God said, he's not going to do those things. So now you have to readjust so that I'm not working so hard. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. A lot of times we, we, we're, we're fighting to fix instead of fighting to just give quality. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times that's where burnout comes from because we're as moms with children, our first instinct is to protect nurture. And so in my head as a mom, I got to fix this. I got to get him walking. I got to make sure he can use these limbs, not understanding that. No, girl, that's not what God said. God said he going to chill and, and you need to go find out who you are. Your son was gifted in this capacity so you could rise to your purpose. Otherwise, you just going to be miserable. So once I changed my views and my thoughts and how I was handling it, Things started to get better, prioritizing, get a, getting rid of things that were of no value, things that I was entertaining that was of no substance, really just focusing on, okay, this is my role. This is what I got to do. And then also I have me and I have to honor that because if I don't, my son will not have the best mother. He'll have an mm-hmm. angry, burned out mama. And that's not fair. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and what you said about um, 
you know, coming into the reality. I think a lot of times, you know, we, regardless of whether you're the parent or you might be the child or, you know, whatever your, um, your place is in that caregiver role, yeah. not, not accepting the reality yeah. and it's, and then you push against the grain of what is, which like you said, creates that extra exhaustion because yeah. you're just going against what is. Yes. Yes. Instead of just being accepting to the process of life, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. my son, even with my youngest, you know, with him having autism, I had to also understand, you know what I was, I, I ended up doing some of the same things working towards a fairy tale that would not exist right now. He's five and we struggle with speech. We struggle with two-step directions. We struggle with, you know, anxiety. And instead of me fixing that, I had to just say, I'm going to love him through it. There are burdens Mm -hmm. that my children don't have to carry that I just can't do nothing about because that's Mm -hmm. just what was aligned for their life. Mm -hmm. But how you carry it, how you prioritize it, how you find different strategic strategies so that you can gain access to yourself is important. I teach moms, you know, where they have time, where they can insert things for themselves, because realistically, you being the caregiver, you can't afford to be sick. You can't afford to have a break. You can't afford it, but we're there. And it, it decreases your ability to provide adequate care. You know, so if if these parents have access to resources where they don't have to leave the house, they can log in, they can have access to other parents, other women who have similar lifestyles that they can bounce from and feel like they have people that understand and be a part of situations where they can build their financial wellness and their health wellness, which will then extend, you know, through their caregiving to the one that they're caring for. That's what's important because there's a lot of families in severe breakdown, especially families who are caring for those with disabilities, you know? Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. you know, marriages are failing. Uh, People are losing their jobs because they can't, you know, keep calling off work. They're running out of FMLA. It's a mess. And that's why I'm here because it, it, it really, we really need to highlight those that are actually putting in the hours to make sure their loved one or whoever they're caring for has adequate life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I loved um, just, I was going to, you, you took the um, words right out of my brain. So I was going to ask you um, like some, some types or um, strategies of support that you shared. So you, you did share, um, you know, resources of the way they can find people, access um, resources and uh, to other supportive women, you know, cause I think that's important too, especially I think in that, in these instances, caregivers, you're, you often feel isolated, you know, cause yes, not everybody do. is doing um, all that you are doing. No one has that. Not everyone has that. Um, right you know, those, those things to carry. And so it could be very isolating. So um, knowing that, and I, and I know, we know, I think all the time we know, of course, there are other people, but when you're in that, when you're in it, it just feels lonely. So I think that that's great that you, you know, that there is, you know, a, a network because you don't really feel, even before COVID, I found that support, support groups were like decreasing, Yes, very much so, very much so, so much so there there used to be a support group for grieving moms who lost their children um, because of significant health delays. And those families are going without because those are far few and in between. They're hard to find. Um, 
And, and we got to bring it back, especially for our melanated women, especially mm -hmm. for our, and I got to go there because yes. I got to go there. And, and I'm going there because within us, we have gotten so accustomed to not communicating with each other, not feeling comfortable with sharing with each other. Um, and I want to see that change because I'm going to be honest and I'm going to say this and I'm just a realist. Okay. Within, uh, <laughs> within our melanated community, we are lacking the most in resources. We are lacking the most to the accessibility so that you can have a stronger foundation, stronger villages so that you're not tired and burned out. We have a lot of you know, unhealed situations that have filtered in that is causing us to not be able to nurture correctly um, and to the best of our capacity. A lot of our families are in severe breakdown, you know, and when I, and I've been doing this a long time. So I've seen a lot, I've seen how Caucasian families, you know, have access to more, um, they're treated better and, with us, we are working more, we're fighting more, we don't have access where, you know, when we fill out the applications, Karen gonna get it before I do, you know what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. just the realness of it. And so the point for my organization was so that I have, I, I'm servicing all women, be clear, but I have a special place for my melanated women because I get that, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. I am one, right. so I get And there that. is a disparity. I, there is an is a obvious and clear disparity that we all know of, and it's not just, you know, because COVID has it, COVID has probably uh, exposed a little more, but, yes. you know, those of us who, who've seen it and might have even been on that side of it at some point in time, we knew it was there all along. It's not yes. new. <laughs> it's not new at all. And I really want to push and really teach my melanated sisters. If I don't do anything else, I really want to teach my melanated sisters how to communicate, how to love, how to build mm -hmm. a sisterhood, how to build camaraderie. There is no reason why we should not have a solid foundation collectively. So what that looks like, this is what I visualize. I visualize us being able to say, hey, sis, I know you need a break. I'm an autism mom. You're an autism mom. I can watch your child for a couple of hours so you can get a break. And then you should be able to reciprocate the same. I should, we should all have a network to where we can be able to rely on each other instead of the system. If our villages were tighter, we could do yeah. that. You know, you're a nurse. If we had a village hey, the nurses, why don't we get together, all the nurses, babysit for a few families, rotate the families mm -hmm. every week. Now everybody's getting a break. Now everybody's right. replenished. Now we're giving to each other. And mm -hmm. it's more than, we got to take the greed and the ego out because what I noticed too is that we all don't move unless money is involved. And unfortunately for a stable village to thrive, you got to take the greed and, and ego off of the table and say, okay, what's realistic for us to flourish? Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. realistic? What, yeah. what can be done so that we can collectively pull together so that we can be more fruitful because if we're, if everybody is just focusing on greed and ego, being fruitful, being stable, being rested can never manifest. It can never, right. you, you, yeah. you can't do it. So my ultimate goal, I would love to see how 
just we could come together as a community and because we're not going to get it from the system fully in a hundred percent. We're just not. Mm -hmm. So at Mm -hmm. some point, something has to give. So something, you got to do something different so you can get a different result. (laughs) Yes. No, no, no. And you're absolutely right. Especially with that part, because I was waiting for you to get to um, some of the root causes of the reason why us in our melanated communities do not have that village, do not have that network, do not. um, And I'm not saying it never happens. So I don't want to, you know, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the same thing you're saying is it doesn't happen far enough to really make you know, those deep inroads that we need to, to make, to not only kind of fix what has been, but to make it better. Cause we can't even make it better if we can't fix it and, you know, really dig in. And I, and like you said, and for people to, in a, in the authentic and empathetic, you know, and purely, um, you know, humble way want to serve others. And I think that's just what it comes down to is the, to serve others, you know, it it requires that, you know, and a lot of people just don't want to do that because like you said, they're looking, looking to be paid, looking to be compensated. And and once again, not saying there's anything wrong with that. Right. Right. In the, in the context of what we're talking about, which is people helping people (laughs) essentially, you know, that those are two different things. And yes. so, you know, getting paid for things is a lot different than serving in a network, serving in a community, serving in a village where you're serving others. Absolutely. And we don't have, um, we just don't, we don't have enough of that. I feel like we have pockets of that, but it's definitely not widespread. Um, right. And I just feel like sometimes um, I, so I guess I'll, I feel like, I guess I'll just go in and say it. It's, it's just too many different um and opinions are fine I'm not saying opinions are bad but I'm saying that you know when the common purpose is to serve then that's the common purpose you know that part you can't have too many you know cooks in the kitchen talking about what the purpose should be other than serving and and that's where we get you know, a little caught up because now nobody can do anything because nobody agrees on what the common cause is. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Right. And and, and also when I when I look at a lot of and I'm gonna just go a little further on that too with us, you know, I love my melanated people, but we have to also understand that a lot of us and, and I'm gonna say it and I'm gonna say it. A lot of us have to understand that when we say, God, help me, I worship God, you know, I am of God, then you have to come back and say, am I really that? Am I really doing everything God asked me to do? Or am I picking and choosing where I do that? Mm-hmm. Because I also, I, I, I look at a lot of Caucasian circles and how they operate. And I say, you know, they got that from us, from our motherland. How they operate came from us. We got lost, right? We got lost. And Mm -hmm. I see a lot of the Caucasians, they come together. I've seen it. I've seen the respite. I've seen it with my eyes. And I ask Mm -hmm. myself, you know, when I call Felicia, and I'm just throwing names, these are not real, these are, these are not real people, everybody, these are not real people, <laughs> so let me just be clear, don't be trying to look up Felicia, because she is, she I ain't know, real, like, who <laughs> don't be, don't look her up, because she ain't real, okay, this is for the sake of the conversation, so when I call Felicia, a fellow melanated sister, and I said, hey, listen, 
can we get together and partner maybe once a month and help a couple of families out with respite? The first thing I met with, and, and let me be clear, I am not opposed to people being paid. I have hustles that I want to be paid for. I do. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that my purpose is to make sure that my the education and the knowledge and the resources that I have are accessible to those who I am supposed to serve without money being involved. Because if I'm really about my God, right? If I'm really about my God, I'm not gonna watch my fellow sister suffer if I don't have mm-hmm. to. And if she mm-hmm. has a willingness to not suffer, right? She just may have some blocks that she can't get access to. What if one of those blocks is no accessibility to respite? Okay, so now I'm calling you and I'm saying, hey, Felicia, can we, can we get together, maybe service three or four families, two to three hours once a month? Do you mind volunteering? Well, it's this and it's that and it's third. But if I call Karen and say, hey, I have two or three families. Do you mind volunteering once a month? It's absolutely, I would love mm-hmm. to. And we have to, we have to be mindful of what we're doing and how we're doing it. We can complain all day, but if Mm -hmm. no one's taking, if everybody's going right and right is leading you into a dead end and you're not getting anywhere, why are we not going left? Why don't we just try left for a second? You might be shocked at what you get, but we're not willing to get there or it becomes, well, you know, if we do it then it has to be like this and then you got, now you got ego involved. So now what Mm -hmm. ends up happening is you have a demographic of people that can't get anywhere because like you said, we're either not on one accord because it's too many chiefs or, you know, again, we're, we're looking for something more or it's, 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 it's not sufficient to the situation. It's not even Mm -hmm. a, okay, look, let's try it out. And then let's build around it. There might be funding. I know somebody that can help us get funding. We don't do that, but the Caucasians do because they don't, they believe in work. Sometimes we don't believe in that. Sometimes because we've been through so much, we're tired. And I get that as a, as a, as people, we're tired. We've been through a lot. Mm-hmm. We have police brutality. We have, you know, uh, a systematic race and we have all kinds of things going on against us. So I get right. it. But in order to change those things, you gotta move different. You yes. gotta move different. Yeah. Got to, got to. Yeah, man, yeah. this was a, um, much needed, much needed topic and much needed conversation. Um, yeah. For real, for real. And like I told you earlier, like, I feel like this could even go, um, you know, you, you could pick, take your pick of, yeah. you know, how to, how to then go about creating a stronger network or how to go about helping people with their communication skills so that, you know, there aren't so many, um, um, so many, you know, little flare-ups that come along the way with the progress <laughs> of creating these systems and networks, right? Right. Like, I feel like it's so many, so many different, different avenues. Um, so it I, I hope you will come back to and yes. we can explore, um, explore some of them. Cause I think, you know, we, the conversations just need to be had, you know, and, and, and I feel like it could help people say whether you're on either end of that, whether you're on the end that you need help and you like, damn, I can't even ask them. Cause I don't right. feel like hand it. I don't have nothing to offer them. I don't have nothing to give them. I just need a break or whether yes. you're on the other side, knowing that somebody is a caregiver and, and not, you know, that you've intentionally just not offered help, but just not realizing what it entails in that somebody might actually need you. 
Right. You know? right. So, um, you know, I think just the education and the first starting off with this video, the awareness of what, what, how things are, you know, is, right. is just an important, important first step for sure. Absolutely. Um, and, and let me see you. So for you, I have your contact at ourchildrenstory.org. Yes, ma'am. That is my website, ourchildrenstory.org. My email is hope at ourchildrenstory.org. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram under Our Children's Story Inc. So that's how people can find me if they want to learn more or want to collaborate or want to volunteer. I'm, I'm easy to find, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find Libra's information um, on our show notes page on the website. So if you did not catch that, no worries. You can just follow the link. I mean, it'll take you right there. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today and for this insightful conversation. Um, because honestly, I know I knew when I saw support family and caregivers, it wasn't just going to be that that superficial because <laughs> it's so much, it's just so yes, much to it. It is. Um, and it so, is. you know, that that dynamic of especially um, you know, getting into like you said, our melanated communities because it's so important and it's is so 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 lacking. It is. Um, so it's definitely, you know, conversations that need to, you know, continue and more awarenesses that need to happen. So thank you. You're welcome. And thank you so much for having me. I'm humbled and appreciative. Thank you. No problem. No problem. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please be sure to share this broadcast with family, friends, or anyone that you think could benefit from it. Also, share your takeaways from this show on your IG stories. Don't forget, use the hashtag LWAP. Check out the show notes for the resources and references talked about in this episode at www.lwapllc.com slash blog. Thanks again. Talk to you next time.